We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we start this week's show, I want to let you know about our friends over at Indochino. They are the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. It's very simple. With their process, you choose a fabric, you pick the customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will arrive straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom, or you can do it all online from the comfort of your own home at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get $30 off your purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the code BLUEWIRE at checkout. And even better, shipping is free. Once again, that is Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your first purchase of $3.99 or more. It's an incredible deal on made-to-measure clothing. Don't wait. Get your perfect gift for yourself this holiday season. You really have no excuses to wait anymore to have the perfect clothing and to look sharp. Once again, Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Fantasy football is a game about football, just like risk is a game about world domination. I mean, it's not a real thing, but at the same time, everyone wants the quarterback position to mean something in fantasy football because the quarterback position means something in real life, but that's just not the case. So at the end of the day, you know, I realize that you should be paying up for variance in the player's who play positions in high demand, like wide receivers and running backs, while letting others spend on those quarterbacks. You are listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. I'm your host, Peter Overzet, and in this episode, we are going to cover another fantasy drafting strategy, as we did a few episodes ago with Zero RB. This time, it's late round quarterback, or LRQB as we might abbreviate throughout the show. At the top of this episode, you heard the man who has led the charge on drafting quarterbacks late, and that's J.J. Zacharyson, the editor-in-chief at Numberfire and the author of the appropriate titled book, 
the late round quarterback. Throughout the course of this episode, we are going to dive into the nuts and bolts of how to execute late round QB in your upcoming drafts and also hear from other proponents of the strategy. But before we do that, we should probably set the table for why we are doing this episode in the first place. In a lot of ways, late round QB is at a much different stage as a strategy than zero RB, which still seems to have more detractors than subscribers. But at this point in 2016, it seems as if the majority of the fantasy universe agrees that waiting to draft quarterbacks late, especially in leagues where you only have to start one, is the optimal strategy. So why dedicate an entire episode to a strategy that has very few critics? Well, for one, because it is still one of the easiest ways to gain an edge on your league mates who do continue to draft quarterbacks early. Steve Gallo, who is an NFL analyst for USA Today, has also been beating the drum for late round quarterback along with JJ over the past few years. And he says that there will always be drafters who can't help themselves from targeting the big name QBs early in their drafts. I still think the average Joe is going to look at it and say, wow, look where that guy finished and look how many points he scored. And I'm grabbing him in the first or second round. So I think that we probably would look at it and easily think that it looks like we've turned the corner, but I still think there's plenty of people out there that don't get it yet. The average Joes that Gallo just described probably sound very familiar if you play in a home league with your friends or in an office league. I already have one buddy who has called a shot. Doesn't matter who drops to him. He plans on taking Cam Newton at number five overall in our draft. And I have to assume he has visions of Superman dancing and dabbing his way to a championship clouding his judgment. But interestingly enough, High-stakes player Aram McGeerian told us this kind of thinking isn't reserved for just casual leagues and that he still sees it happening in his big money leagues where thousands and thousands of dollars are on the line. He says drafting QBs late gives him and his partner a significant edge every year. It's been the forefront of the way we've done high-stakes fantasy football from the very beginning. To us, it, it means anything after the 13th round. Typically, we try not to draft a quarterback until somebody else drafts two. But part of our success is the fact that we are not wasting a player in the first 12 rounds of the draft, which we think are critical to securing wideouts first, tight ends second, running backs third, and quarterbacks being slightly more important than kickers and defenses, but not much. One of the things that can trick people into thinking that they should still draft a quarterback early is looking at NFL trends that continue to be more and more pass-heavy. We all remember that Peyton Manning season in 2013 when he threw for 55 touchdowns. And don't get me wrong, it's tempting to want to chase a season like that. I mean, people who had Peyton Manning on their team that year had incredible seasons. And knowing how much QBs are slinging it around these days, it can be tempting to chase that. But as far as fantasy is concerned, JJ says it actually means you should be doing the opposite. It being a passing league means the guys that are bad at quarterback are passing a lot as well. And given that, then you know that late in your drafts, in the 14th and the 15th round of your drafts, there are going to be quarterbacks that are going to be dropping back 30 plus times per game. I mean, Every season over the last couple of years, every team is dropping back 25 plus times per game. And all that means is that you have a larger sample size to choose from. And when you have a larger sample size to choose from, 
then you can go late with your quarterback and you don't have to worry about getting one early. It can take a leap of faith to wait until late in your draft to grab a QB. In a lot of ways, we are conditioned to think that those low-level quarterbacks, let's say the Jay Cutlers and the Alex Smiths of the world, aren't any good for fantasy because we've all watched them suck in NFL games with our own eyes. And when it comes to drafting our fantasy teams, we all want that sexy starting lineup that we can stare and marvel at and be proud of. I believe the TV show The League referred to this as roster baiting. I can't roster bait to you guys. I can't get a half job. I can't even get a semi chub. I'm walking away. I'm done with fantasy football. (laughs) And if you're drafting a crummy QB late, it can feel like you're staring at this beautiful oil painting that now has a giant smudge across it. And that's no fun. But as JJ said, even the bad QBs are throwing a lot in their fantasy points. Those still count the same is those scored by the sexier, or dare I even say, elite QBs. If you don't believe you can win a fantasy league with a bottom-rung QB, take a listen to who McGarrian said they relied on in one of their most successful high-stakes seasons to date. When we won it all, Matt Schaub was our starting quarterback back in the Andre Johnson years at the Houston Texans. I think that he was a 12th or 13th round pick in that draft. And so it, it is near and dear to our hearts to, to do it this way. And I think this year coming up is probably one of the best years for late round QBing that we've ever had. While JJ is the first to admit he wasn't the first person to advocate for taking quarterbacks late in drafts, and it's something we'll hear him talk about in a bit. The late round quarterback strategy really began to crystallize for him back in 2011. It seemed like quarterbacks were godly during that 2011 season. Three guys threw 40 plus touchdowns. You had four more guys who threw for 4,900 plus yards. It was just something that we really hadn't seen before. And I kind of saw all that stuff happening and and thought to myself, there's going to be a lot of early round quarterbacks that are going to be drafted next year. And I want to be the person that does something about it. In a lot of ways, that 2011 season was a Rorschach test for fantasy players. Those who wanted to fixate on the mega passing numbers from elite QBs had their justification for taking players like Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees in the first round of their drafts. But at that same time, J.J. saw something different. He saw Matt Flynn, a backup QB, throw for 480 yards and 6 TDs in Week 17 that year, something that had only been done three times in NFL history previously. And in that same game, he saw Matt Stafford throw for 520 yards, which pushed him over 5,000 passing yards on the season. And as JJ was watching all of this, it became clear to him that what was happening wasn't a case for drafting QBs early, but rather drafting them much, much later. But back in 2011, everyone else wasn't thinking like this. And JJ was very much in the minority with this line of thinking. I do remember the very first podcast I ever went on. I like drank a couple beers before the podcast because I was I, I didn't I, I had no idea what to like expect going on a podcast. And I remember going on and kind of just going at it with these guys in terms of me showing essentially what my book said and trying to explain my book to these guys. And then I remember uh, after you know I'd gotten off, they started to kind of rip apart what I had said. But after I was off the air. But it wasn't, it wasn't in a way that they were actually being like super negative about stuff. 
it was more that my guard was up so high whenever uh, I first published this stuff that anytime someone said, no, you're wrong, I really just wanted to, to get at it and just start arguing my point. And it's really not like me because I'm a very non-confrontational person, which is why it was so bizarre. But uh, with this stuff, I just I love to to kind of go back and forth. So, you know, to me, I, I, that always sticks out because it was kind of my first moment to really defend late round QB. And then these two dudes kind of ripped it apart after I had gotten off the line. Then I remember going to Twitter and us going back and forth and me being really, really immature about it. And then, you know, the rest is history. No matter how many drinks JJ had in him, he could never wrap his head around why fantasy players continued to draft quarterbacks early. It kind of always blew my mind watching these fantasy players uh, spend those high equity picks at a position where you start just one player. I mean, all that means is that you need that one player to be so extraordinarily elite in order for him to return value. So there's no room for error. And all of us playing fantasy football are imperfect. I mean, it's something that we don't have full control over. I mean, these guys are going out every Sunday and we're not fully certain how they're, I mean, we can make educated guesses as to how they're going to perform. But knowing that is your biggest weapon because you're not going into your draft saying, I'm going to get this quarterback in the third round and I'm going to hit on these positions in the sixth and the seventh and the eighth round when historically the bust rates at those positions are so much greater at running back and wide receiver than they would be in the early rounds. So really, you can wait forever and just pile up on these running backs and wide receivers because we know that if those running backs and wide receivers hit, they're going to give you the biggest edge of any player at any position. And if you have multiple players that are doing that, then you're going to gain a huge edge that you can either use yourself or trade for. At this point, you might be saying to yourself, okay, okay, I get it. Late round QB is the way to go. But which QB should I actually be targeting late? And we're going to touch on a few different ways you can identify high upside late round quarterback targets throughout this episode. But one sneaky trick that Aaron McGarrian outlined for us is simply looking at where a QB's pass catchers are currently going in drafts and then working backwards from there. If you have Jarvis Landry going in the second round, Devontae Parker going in the fourth round, and Jordan Cameron going in the eighth round, why is Ryan Tannehill not getting drafted until the 17th round? And same things would hold true for you know Carson Palmer last year. People were drafting John Brown and Michael Floyd and Larry Fitzgerald you know, between rounds five and, and nine. And no one was drafting Carson Palmer. They're a passing offense. He has the appropriate weapons. And they're going to throw the football. I just don't get it. So this year, as you're looking back, Matt Ryan is going in the 15th round when Julio Jones is the number two pick in the draft. Eli Manning goes in the 14th round. That guy, I never understand how he's always available for you. When Odell Beckham is going in the first round and their young uh, wideout is going in the seventh round. So we look to see who's surrounded with weapons and is going to need to throw the football. Drew Brees goes in the ninth round. To me, Drew Brees going in the ninth round or 10th round is almost a de facto late round quarterback because he led the league in passing last year and he's going that late. So it makes no sense. Tom Brady's going in the 11th round. I guess that's a little more ado about the four game suspension than not. But Philip Rivers this year as a late round quarterback with Keenan Allen, Travis Benjamin, Antonio Gates is a no brainer, especially when you compare the numbers to what you're giving up in the fourth or fifth round that you can add on with a Philip Rivers. One of the reasons you can wait so long to draft a quarterback, probably later than even the average late round quarterback drafter would think, 
is because of the plethora of quarterback options that are available to you on the waiver wire each season in the event the quarterback you drafted doesn't pan out. Think of it this way. In each of the last three seasons, 40-plus quarterbacks have had at least one top 12 performance, which means there is a surplus of production at the quarterback position that can often be found on the waiver wire. And this doesn't occur randomly. Since quarterback production is so predictable, you can even stream the position by just picking up a quarterback off the waiver wire who happens to have a good matchup that week. JJ says having the safety net of waiver wire quarterback options gives you the opportunity to swing for the fences with your late round quarterback picks. You should never be drafting Matt Ryan because Matt Ryan can be replaced on the waiver wire each week very easily by Geno Smith types. But we also know that Matt Ryan's never going to be a top five fantasy football quarterback because we have this large sample of him not being a top five fantasy football quarterback with one of the best wide receivers in the game. There's really no reason to draft a guy like Matt Ryan in a season-long, can-change-your-lineup kind of league, and I think that that's what streaming kind of gives you that backbone, and it tells you, hey, maybe you should go after Tyrod Taylor or Kirk Cousins and guys that have more ambiguous ceilings than going after a guy like Matt Ryan. Aaron McGarrion told us about a reliable, high-upside quarterback he found on the waiver wire last season. I think I had Tyrod Taylor on every single one of the teams as a as a late season pickup just because he was one of the few quarterbacks that was available but he also happened to have a pretty good end of the end of the season and, and was able to put up some decent numbers when it came to playoff performance. So yeah, waiver wires are huge and quarterbacks are all about matchups. I mean, you could have Aaron Rodgers who's playing at Seattle in week 14 and what good is that going to do you to try to score a 40-point week? One of the reasons Tyrod Taylor was a viable QB starter was because of the fantasy production he adds by rushing, something not all quarterbacks are capable of doing. A lot of analysts like to refer to these rushing QBs as a fantasy Konami code. The Konami code is something that Rich Rebar created uh, maybe in 2013, I want to say. And it's the idea that, uh, so there's the Konami code, it's a cheat code, I think it was for Contra. And uh, it's, it's this idea that quarterbacks that run the football give you an insane edge if, if they're doing it consistently. So a Colin Kaepernick back in the day, obviously Cam Newton, you know, Cam Newton threw for 35 touchdowns last year, but he also was insane on the ground. And that combined is why he was the QB one. Um, so if you can find those guys and the, the crazy thing is there are guys who run the football more than you realize it, whether it be Alex Smith. Alex Smith is the Konami code. I mean, he is what the Konami code kind of encompasses. And it's this idea that guys that you never think would be running the football are doing it very consistently and doing it pretty well. Uh, Alex Smith or like a Ryan Fitzpatrick, those kind of players will give you that edge. I mean, if, if they're running the ball for 30 yards a game, that's essentially taking away a, a turnover and a half. And that's a big deal at the end of the day. I mean, it's, it's three points. Gallo says one of the QBs that JJ just mentioned is the perfect late round quarterback target for us in 2016. A guy like Alex Smith, granted, he's got a pop gun arm. People love to hate on him. But a guy like Alex that can put up a few hundred yards rushing every year, take 400 yards rushing, then take those points and figure out what that would be if they were passing yards. Now take that and add that to what Alex Smith passes. And all of a sudden you're going to say, wow, he looks like a 4,000 yard passer that doesn't rush for any yards. So I look for guys that have feet that can make up the points that they lack with their arm that undervalue them to the masses. 
Sal Stefanelli is the co-founder of the site 2QBs.com and one of the people championing a shift from one quarterback leagues to super flex in two quarterback leagues. He agrees with JJ and Gallo that cheap rushing QBs like Alex Smith are the way to attack the position, even in leagues where you can start two. A lot of emphasis last year's place on the Cam Newtons and Russell Wilsons and Tyra Taylors. But Alex Smith had the fourth most rushing attempts from the quarterback position. And getting that in a late round quarterback and a two quarterback league can really boost your QB2 slot, especially because all of a sudden someone like Smith, if he didn't have that rushing capability, would be like a low end QB2. But those extra fantasy points are going to boost him up to a you know high end QB2 or a low end QB1. And for where they go in the draft, that's a lot of value. So that tends to be the types of quarterbacks I focus on in two quarterback leagues and the type of quarterbacks who are easily drafted because most people in real life think Alex Smith is a bad quarterback, which he might be, but in fantasy, that doesn't really matter. Another person we talked to for this episode was CBS Sports' Benjamin Albright, and he specializes in evaluating quarterbacks. He's noticed a disconnect between what rushing means for a quarterback from an NFL scouting perspective and what it means in fantasy. I think that, uh, you know, having that athleticism is always a plus, but you have to look at that as a gravy trait. Uh, I think people, ever since the Michael Vick era, have gotten obsessed with the the running quarterback and and they've sacrificed, uh, you know, in their evaluation, some guys who didn't have the ability to throw in favor of that athleticism. And you cannot do that. A quarterback's primary job, first and foremost, is going to be to throw the football. Uh, At most, they're running five to seven times a game. Uh, but they're throwing the football 22 to 30 times a game. So you're sacrificing something you do 75% of the time. There's something you do about 20% of the time, if that. So that it's, it's, if you look at athleticism, it's good to have, but it's a plus trait, meaning you don't scout that first. You add it in last if they happen to have it. Because most fantasy leagues require you to start only one quarterback, the position is certainly devalued and doesn't reflect the quarterback's real-life importance to its team where it is easily the position that has the biggest effect on the game's outcome. And I'm sure somewhere Rams fans are nodding along to that. But Sal told us that two QB leagues are a fun and easy way to make quarterbacks more valuable in fantasy. Playing in two quarterback leagues means putting more time and effort into researching the quarterback position and coming up with unique ways to prepare for your draft. I mean, you can't just draft Joe Flacco in the last round and log out. So I would say if you're tired of the quarterback position not mattering in one quarterback leagues and you want to be challenged, playing in two QB leagues is the way to go. You not only have to concern yourself with drafting a quarterback one and when, but you also have to put more thought into the QB two tier of signal callers. Whereas players like Blaine Gabber and Mark Sanchez would never sniff the starting lineup of a 10 team or even a 12 team one QB league, they become sought after commodities in two QB leagues. Last year, there was 39 quarterbacks that had at least one QB1 performance, which means they were a top 12 fantasy quarterback at least once in the season. And there was a total of 53 different quarterbacks that started at least one game. You know, in one QB league, there's going to be so many quarterbacks that are on the waiver wire that nobody really cares about during the season. But in two quarterback leagues, it's like open season on all the quarterbacks, which places know more of an importance back to the quarterback position which we've kind of found in one quarterback leagues they just don't matter anymore if a two qb league sounds too daunting sal says you could get your feet wet with a super flex league what i tell most people is that super flex leagues are two quarterback leagues in disguise 
They're a good bridge for people that have mostly played in one quarterback leagues, don't want to try two quarterback leagues, but are tempted by the thought. So that super flex kind of gives them a little bit of leeway in terms of like they don't have to draft a quarterback or start a quarterback in that QB2 slot. But since quarterback position tends to be the highest scoring position in fantasy football, you're going to be um, behind your league mates if you don't place an emphasis on putting a quarterback in that second slot. Okay, we are going to take a quick break, but when we return, we are going to take a closer look at the theoretical underpinnings of late round quarterback and how the strategy can be applied in a variety of different league formats. Before we get into the second half of the show, I want to let you know about our friends over at ShipStation with the holiday rush on the way. You have to be able to ship out those orders, or maybe it is just gifts. If you're a business, it's going to be the orders, and if you are just sending them out to friends and family uh, and doing it efficiently and affordably, there is only one place to do that, and that is at ShipStation. They keep track of all of the orders or all of the shipments, and they also help you to decide which carrier to use and to make sure if you're getting the best rates. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing your shipments, printing links, labels and getting those products out the door and delivered for the holiday ship station works with all the major carriers so you can compare them all and make sure you're getting the best value for yourself no wonder ship station is the number one choice for online labeling you ship in less time with the best rates available take the hassle out of your holiday shipping this year let ship station handle it for you with ease and you can use the offer code blue to get a 60 day free trial that's two months free of no hassle stress-free holiday shipping just visit shipstation.com click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in blue that's shipstation.com enter the code blue shipstation make ship happen and of course one of our loyal sponsors here on the show has been harry's looking for a great gift for somebody in your life maybe you're just looking for a gift for yourself uh, talk about how guys often get dull cliched gifts like socks and wallets and ties one of the things i love getting on my gifts are nice quality blades and that is because it's something i don't like to buy for myself but wanting to buy them for yourself is something you can do with harry's because it is both thoughtful and practical and sometimes you get that little gift for yourself it can be very very convenient listeners to the show now can get five dollars off any harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com forward slash blue wire free shipping ends on december 16th so act fast and get ready for that perfect shave each harry's shave set comes with a weighted handle with the option to engrave and also a five blade razor cartridge foaming gel for a rich lather travel cover to collect your blades and also it is packaged in a holiday gift box free shipping as i mentioned before ends on the 16th of december so act now just go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire that's harrys.com forward slash blue wire one of the easiest ways to visualize the benefits of late round quarterback is to think about the difference in points between a quarterback one and a quarterback you could get off of waivers and the difference between a wide receiver two and a wide receiver you could get off of waivers. So if you play in a 12-team league where you only have to start one, that means only 12 quarterbacks are going to start each week. And depending on buys, there could be as many as 20 other starting NFL quarterbacks who won't be in starting lineups that week, most of whom will be sitting on your waiver wire. That's just not going to be the case for wide receivers, where it's safe to assume the top 50 or so will be rostered in your league because you can start a few of them in your lineup, especially if you have a flex. JJ told us that these principles all boil down to basic economic terms. The easiest way to think about the strategy 
isn't even related to fantasy football, but it's basic economics. When there's very little of something and a lot of people need it, then you're at the risk of prices going up. You know, the demand is high while the supply is very low. And that's what you get with running backs and wide receivers. You know, there's multiple wide receivers, multiple running backs that you're starting on your team each and every week. But with the quarterback position, the opposite is true. You're just starting one. The definition of opportunity cost is just the loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. And all this means is what are you losing out on when you make an action or when you do something? So in terms of fantasy football, it's what are you losing if you are taking that quarterback early? So if you're taking Cam in the fourth round, what are you foregoing? Well, you're foregoing some pretty strong wide receivers, some pretty good running backs. And those are two positions that are in high demand that are very important to the fantasy football game. McGarrion agrees with JJ. Drafting quarterbacks late is a fundamentally sound strategy backed up by the numbers. There's just so much passing going on in the NFL. These quarterbacks numbers are so close to one another that it really matters very little which one of these quarterbacks you have, because really this is all about the math. And if you're comparing Aaron Rodgers, who you're drafting in the fourth or fifth round and the wideout that you're passing up or the tight end that you're passing up in that spot and comparing that to the wide out or the tight end that you're getting in the 13th round or 14th round. And then you compare that to the wide out you're getting in the fourth round where you would have taken Aaron Rodgers. That combination is completely in the favor of the person who's drafting the wide out in the fourth round for sure. I mean, for example, we were drafting Keenan Allen in the fourth round of last year's draft. Now, Keenan Allen in the fourth round versus Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck in the third round. And then compare that to Philip Rivers, who was going in the 14th round, or Carson Palmer, who religiously went in the 15th round, or Blake Bortles, who wasn't even drafted in most drafts. You're passing up a 25 to 30 point wideout, which those guys just don't grow on trees. One thing we should mention, because it seems to be a recurring theme with a lot of the conversation surrounding the origins of fantasy football strategies is that J.J. is quick to admit that he wasn't the first person ever to advocate for drafting quarterbacks late. I'm not the one who came up with drafting quarterbacks late. People have drafted quarterbacks late forever. You know, I had seen articles, I'd read articles and, and so on. I mean, there's there's lots of stuff out there that was written in 1995 about drafting quarterbacks late. Uh, but there's nothing that kind of brought it all together in a really cohesive way. Around the same time J.J. was working on his book, Steve Gallo, whom you heard earlier, was also compiling research that supported a theory similar to J.J.'s, and he outlined his findings in an article in 2013 for USA Today. God, I gotta say, it's hard to believe it's going to be three years old, that article, Dissecting Quarterback Value in Fantasy Football, better known as the Zero Quarterback Theorem. And I guess some people will say that I tried to make the research match what I thought, but I didn't. I just, I really truly looked at it, but I didn't want to take a small sample size. I I really wanted to have teeth. So I went and I used two expert leagues. So I thought that'd give a good synopsis of what we're looking at. And then I picked a random league from MFL that had been around for at least the seven years that I was doing my study over and then looked at those results. So basically what you had was three leagues, seven years, a total of almost 2000 matchups that I used for the study. And you zero out the quarterback points from the winning team, and they still won a majority of the matchups. Now, everybody says to that, oh, if you zero out the running back or you zero out the wide receiver, you get the same results, I bet. 
But yes, but I'm trying to make a point. And that's that a position that people believe has a high value level because it scores on average the most points. I need to prove that it's not as valuable as they think. And that's what led me to do some metrics analysis. And I came up with two metrics. One was replacement value and the other was positional replaceability. And it showed that a quarterback had a value closer to that of a team defense or a kicker. Even before digging into the numbers, Gallo has always had the inclination to draft quarterbacks late. I can't remember the earliest I've taken one because I will tell you that they've always been classified as late. And that's been since, I mean, we'll just go back to 2005. I know that at least since then, I doubt that I've taken any quarterbacks in single rounds. While not taking a quarterback in the single rounds might have seemed crazy in 2005, things are much different now. In fact, JJ actually has way more people ready to jump to his defense than he does detractors. It's gotten to the point now where if someone's publishing something that's anti-LRQB, I don't even have to do the work to defend myself because people will just take articles that I've written and just send them that person's way. It's cool because you have this library of stuff that people can grab from and kind of throw that person's way and be like, hey, here are the reasons that what you wrote you know, doesn't make any sense. And it's, it's all based on what I've written in the past. So it's a really cool thing. So to me, it's, it's less about me getting super angry about uh, a big media site writing something that tries to sway people to draft a quarterback early. And it's more, it's, it's just cool. It's, I, I kind of embrace that because you get these people that, that start to defend me automatically. JJ has some theories as to why not everyone has come around on late round QB. I think we're, we're at the point where the majority of people are drafting quarterbacks late. Uh, and you can even just look at average draft position data to realize that. But at the same time, the quarterback position in general is getting deeper and deeper. So while everyone's saying, oh, I'm just going to take Aaron Rodgers in the sixth round or in the fifth round, because that used to be value five, six years ago. Now it's not necessarily value because of the way the position has gotten deeper while everyone has been drafting these quarterbacks late. So there is still some resistance with folks because they look at the safety at the position early, which there's a lot of reasons why that's not necessarily the, the right logic to use uh, in terms of, of, of what safety is in the early rounds. But there's always going to be a season like a Cam Newton. There's always going to be a season like an, what Andrew Luck had in 2014. And people are going to chase that the next season. And it, and it happens every single year. And we're seeing it again this year with Cam Newton. McGarrion says that it's not just that people draft their first QB too early. He says that they're also way too conservative in the way they approach backup QBs. They look at it and they just say, God, I don't want to throw away my entire season if uh, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt, not understanding that you're going to have availability for another quarterback somewhere down the line. You, I mean, you can win a league with Matt Schaub as your starting quarterback. It doesn't matter because the quarterback's going to score you 10 or 12 points by accident unless something goes terribly wrong. And they're just, everyone's so conservative. It's, it, if you're drafting backup quarterbacks early round, you're wasting valuable assets. Sal Stefanelli says the cautious, conservative approach noticed by Aram and JJ is not unique to one quarterback leagues. There's a lot of fear-based drafting in two quarterback leagues, especially if it's your first time, because you're just thinking to yourself, I have to start two quarterbacks, which means I have to draft them early because everybody else is going to draft them early. But because of the quarterback position getting deeper and deeper each year, you can still wait and find good value later on in the draft. It just, it, your mindset is going to be kind of difficult to 
overcome because you're just thinking in your head, I have to draft the quarterback. I have to draft the quarterback. This is a two QB league, so I have to draft the quarterback. But if you can just like tell your brain to, to just be quiet for a little bit and just focus on the board, you'll find that you'll end up with a really good team overall, even if you do wait on the quarterback position. Along with letting fear dictate your fantasy decisions, JJ says another trap fantasy players fall into is wanting fantasy to mirror the reality of the NFL. Everyone wants their team to reflect what's happening on the field, and they want those quarterbacks to mean something because of what the media does and and what the game actually is about. I mean, the, the game comes down to how well the quarterback plays, but the fantasy game does not. Benjamin Albright told us that it is hard to separate the game aspect of fantasy with his on-the-field evaluations of quarterbacks. That's one of the things that it has been a big struggle for me, is to separate the math of fantasy football from the on-field traits of you know, the actual player. Um, that's something that as I, got, as I moved, you know, when I was younger, I was heavily involved in fantasy football, not really so much in scouting. And over the, the years, over the course of 20 years of doing this, I guess I've shifted more to the scouting side. And so it, it's, it becomes tough for me sometimes to separate the best data play from the guy I feel has the best traits and long-term upside. And, and I tend to err on the side of, uh, you know, the, the traits, which is bad for fantasy football, which is a math game. I think there are several factors in fantasy football that contribute to the inflation of different quarterbacks. One of them is quarterbacks on bad teams that are playing from behind late in football games are going to be throwing the football more. So those guys get yardage boost. So people tend to think they're better than they are if they're just doing the box score scouting, which you know, what fantasy football is, and I'm doing it wrong, I enjoy playing fantasy football, but there's a, uh, there's a definite divide between actually evaluating a player for the tape and then just taking his raw data or his raw numbers and doing it. There's certainly something to be lost in terms of context. So, yeah, I think fantasy football has contributed to that, and especially, like you said, the bump, you know, if they get a point for every 10 yards they're rushing, well, if you got a guy who's rushing for 40 yards a game, that's four free points, you're not getting out of a paid Manning. So, you know, I, I actually won a, a league one year during the Tebow run because I put Tebow on my roster because he ran the football and it was worth, you know, a certain number of points. So, yeah, I think that that definitely contributes. Oh, man, I'm so glad that Albright mentioned Tim Tebow because Tebow might be the ultimate example of how an awful quarterback can be relevant in fantasy. Just to cherry pick one example from his 2011 season and just saying 2011 again makes me realize we clearly need a 30 for 30 on how unreal 2011 was for the quarterback position. But in week 15 against the Patriots, Tebow completed only half of his passes. He threw for zero TDs and finished with a QBR rating under 50. That's hashtag not good. And yet with his legs alone, he gave you a 21 point fantasy day with 93 yards rushing and two rushing TDs. That is just so disgusting and yet so perfect. McGarrion told us that bad QBs like Tim Tebow are no strangers to lineups in high stakes leagues, even when thousands of dollars are on the line. In the main event, there was a battle of Blake Bortles versus Matt Schaub in the finals and the winner taking home $4,000. Now, I picked up Blake Bortles on waivers on October 2nd and I, I couldn't even I couldn't believe Matt Schaub was still in the league. Uh, I didn't even remember that. He also said taking quarterbacks late is a good way to put your fellow league mates on tilt. People start realizing what's going on and you can see them sort of panic. And I, we like to see that happen. They think, oh, we're going to go grab a second quarterback so they they can't have one. And we love to see that because now we have uh, out of uh, 11 teams, 
some teams taking two quarterbacks, which is completely unnecessary in the early parts of the fantasy football year. As we wrap things up, we want to make sure we touch on how the late round quarterback strategy might change for various league formats. Hopefully over the course of this episode, you've bought into the idea that drafting quarterbacks late is a dominant strategy in one QB leagues, but how should you approach drafting a quarterback in a two QB league? You can't wait forever, obviously, in a two QB league because people are going to draft quarterbacks very, very early and very, very often. Uh, It's going to make you very angry if you're someone like me who likes to wait. But, you know, typically in in a two QB league, I will get three very mediocre quarterbacks that have pretty stable jobs and essentially stream, but using my platoon approach rather than going to the waiver wire. Sal says a late round quarterback strategy is still doable in two QB leagues but you might have to really scrape the bottom of the barrel for a startable option. Almost every worthwhile quarterback option with a beating heartbeat will be drafted, depending on the size of your league. So this means uh, you not only have to concern yourself with drafting a quarterback one and when, but you also have to put more thought into the QB2 tier of signal callers, because if you wait on your QB2, which you can, uh, you don't have to spend a high pick on them, but if you do wait too long, I know someone like Jared Goff this year might be your best option. There's just no safety net of usable quarterbacks going undrafted in two quarterback leagues like there is in one quarterback leagues, and that tends to be the biggest difference. Along with two quarterback leagues, another format where people often assume they need to take a quarterback earlier than normal is Dynasty. The most interesting question I get is about Dynasty Leagues, and I think that Dynasty Leagues, the late-round quarterback approach, allows you to exploit the league even more than in redraft leagues, and it's because people do value more than one quarterback very early in in a startup draft. So people think, oh, I'm going to have him for 10-plus years, but at the end of the day, it's really, I mean, you're still playing a year-to-year game. You know, it's really not that different than what you would do in redraft realistically, sure, you might not be able to stream, you won't have that backbone. But what you do have is you can platoon the position and play by matchup, use that aspect of predictability and obtain a quarterback that's nearly just as good as what people are paying, overpaying for, for those younger elite quarterbacks. If there's one big takeaway from everything we've learned from our guests, it's that it doesn't really even matter which format you are playing. Even if you think you're on board with late round QB, you're probably still overvaluing quarterbacks in your drafts and can almost certainly take them later than where you are now. Just talking with these guys makes me want to push it to the extreme and not draft one at all in my next league. I mean, what's the absolute worst that could happen? There are times where I just forgot to draft quarterback and I'm not kidding. We get so excited about late round guys that when they're still on the board, I don't even look to see. Uh, whether there's quarterbacks available or not. And I ended up uh, with a team that had, I had to draft Marcus Mariota in the 19th round and then Jameis Winston in the 20th round. You know, we, we ended up winning the league with that one. So got lucky, but you know, it just works out for you no matter what. Next time on Fantasyland, an episode all about GPPs, Featuring repeat DFS tournament champions like Peter Jennings. What type of player are you? Are you thinking about, you know, what's the optimal lineup this week? Which guys make the most sense regardless of how owned they're going to be? Or are you kind of an outside the box thinker? And certainly 
or some people are wired to think outside the box and uh, make tournament lineups, and some people are wired to make cash game teams. Thank you for listening to Fantasyland, the podcast that covers everything you didn't know you wanted to know about fantasy sports. Special thanks to all of our great guests in this episode, J.J. Zacharyson, Aaron McGeerian, Steve Gallo, Benjamin Albright, and Sal Stefanelli. Be sure to check the show notes and the episode write-up on rotoviz.com slash fantasyland for more information about our guests. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, you can find those on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you rate and review the show on iTunes, you'll be entered to win a drawing for a free Rotoviz hoodie. We've already given a few of those away and we'll be announcing more winners in the next few weeks via the Rotoviz forums. Also, thanks to our sponsors. Be sure to take advantage of their special offers for Fantasyland listeners. If you'd like to contact us, we are always interested in feedback and would love to also hear any good fantasy stories you may have. You can reach us via email at fantasylandpod at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Twitter, also at fantasylandpod. Our producers are Fantasy Douche, Matthew Friedman, and Patrick Corain. Our production assistants are Ant Kaladayud and Alan Jackman. And I'm your host, Peter Overzet. (laughs) 